Welcome to Tanya's Good Vibes Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything that makes us feel good, we exude positivity, we party through love and light, and we talk about all the blessings through the tough parts of our personal journeys. Have you ever felt like you've had a closet full of clothes with nothing to wear? I know I have. Uh, my guest today is a public speaker. She's a conscious wardrobe stylist and wardrobe declutterer. She inspires and empowers female entrepreneurs to look and feel fabulous. Uh, she's here today to share her personal journey about her struggles with body image and is here to help us learn how to feel confident, how to shop more sustainably, and maybe throw in a couple wardrobe tips and tricks if we still have time. Let's give a warm welcome to Carol Hansen. So happy to have you here today. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a guest on your amazing podcast. I'm really looking forward to our conversation after we introduced ourselves on the phone a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, just amazing. So yeah. looking forward to it. It was great convo and I, I just, I'm so excited to have you here. Um, maybe if you want to just dive in, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and maybe your story of who you are and what, you know, your personal journey looks like. No problem at all. So my name's Carol Hansen, and as you said, I inspire women who have a wardrobe full of clothes but nothing to wear. Um, I trained as a personal stylist in 2015, and since then I have helped hundreds of women to look and feel fabulous whenever they get dressed. Um, and to learn to accept and to love their bodies and to feel confident about their bodies and to accept that there isn't one size fits all, there isn't a ideal body image that we should all be fitting into, um, that we are all amazing and unique individuals. Um, I started that business on the back of a less successful business where in 2013, with no experience in fashion, e-commerce or marketing, I'd gone out and bought an existing online fashion boutique. How hard could it be? Well, very, as I found out, to get that stock turn right, to get the marketing right, um, to build up that brand awareness, it, it was a real challenge. So I did a lot of marketing offline as well. So I attended loads of events. I hosted loads of events myself. Um, and what I found was that I was attracting lots of women who just wanted to talk to me and tell me that um, they weren't right for the clothes that were made these days. As simple as that. And it, when, you, when you kind of analyzed it down, it wasn't that the women weren't right for the clothes. It was that they lacked confidence um, very much. They weren't sure what suited them anymore. And for many of them, they'd lost their, their sense of identity. You know, many of the women that I work with are women who may have gone through the menopause, they may have had children start to leave home, relationship breakdowns, um, mm. they're getting established established in their business but get, getting it to the next level. Um, maybe retiring from a life in uniform and that could be a corporate style of uniform or it could be something like the, um, the frontline workers, the emergency services. And all of a sudden they start questioning, who am I? 
and that then impacts their confidence particularly as we know if, if once women are going through the menopause unfortunately body shape changes a lot and um and so do our confidence levels as well so mm -hmm. understanding and accepting what suits them and really knowing how to make themselves look awesome um is one of the biggest challenges mm -hmm. so that so that kind of those are the types of people that i help um uh, I also help mums who are returning to work, but they tend to be when they're returning to work after um, having a family rather than having like first child or something like that, because very often those women are so busy investing in their families that um, they don't spend the time or the money investing in themselves. They, mm -hmm. It's not their priority. Um, my own journey is that I actually... Um, I trained as a stylist partly because I realized that, you know, there was an, uh, there was a need for it. Um, but it was also because it, I, it was a real awakening to me to understand how many women actually suffer from body confidence issues. It was, mm -hmm. I started to do research on it. it. It was quite frightening. Now that may be anything from, oh, I'm having a day where I just don't like myself let's face it we all have those um right. you know, i don't like what i see in the mirror i'm feeling a bit bloated i just don't feel good about myself today through to a full-blown eating disorder and body dysmorphia of just not seeing what other people see um when you look in the mirror and you look at yourself mm -hmm. and i had had a um, a long journey with an eating disorder. Um, it started manifesting itself when I was 17 and I was in my early 40s before I felt fully recovered as opposed to in recovery. Um, and it, it lasted so long with me partly because I didn't seek help. So I was managing it myself and um, managed to convince my nearest and dearest that I would um, get back to norm normality is the wrong word but I would get back and I would fully recover and it impacted every aspect of my life obviously apart from my physical health um, my emotional and mental well-being um, it impacted my relationships um, mm -hmm. the way that I um, interacted with other people my um, career it held me back in my career in my 20s and my 30s um, so you know, there was no stone unturned from that point of view. And um, apart from the anorexia and bulimia, I then, um, as a part of that, also got addicted, seriously addicted to exercise, where um, seven days a week I would do a run, I would then do a swim, and I would then go and do a step aerobic class. And all cardio, all high impact, apart from swimming, um, and of course that takes its toll on on your body as well. Um, right. And um, you know, I didn't let up when I got in, got minor injuries and, and niggles. I didn't let up when I got um, if I got sick. You know, I even ran with a plaster cast on my wrist for God's sake. Oh. <laughs> oh, you can't God. get much more stupid than that. Um, <laughs> but that was how addicted I was to it, and it was only in sort of the early 2000s when my body started to really break down that 
um, in terms of you know, getting seriously injured to the point where I couldn't exercise it's that I started to take real note of it but the the kind of the turning point for me really on that was um, when I got myself a PT and he's someone that I've known for a number of years and in fact I used to do a lot of his high impact classes but um, he helped me to get that sense of balance back that I was totally missing and he helped me to really get a sense of proportion in terms of um, exercise and, and rest and nutrition so yeah awesome. a lot of thanks to him. Awesome yeah having a personal trainer is uh, you know, not only helps you physically, mentally, but they work. I, it's such a good investment. A lot of people, they said they don't want to spend, you know, money on a personal trainer, but it's, it's therapeutic in its own way where they focus on your body. Uh, even, even emotionally, sometimes yes, I remember absolutely. same, same thing here. I was kind of eating, it was a little bit the opposite. I was eating and eating whatever I wanted all the pasta the bread and everything and I didn't listen to my body I just ate whatever felt good and uh, I, I gained weight and I was always kind of chunky and then finally I, I got a personal trainer and I didn't expect anything but it just kind of changes your whole mindset at uh, the way that you exercise the way that you eat and the way that you think and feel so yes yeah. and, and that is the biggest one isn't it it's the thinking and feeling and mm -hmm. as you say the biggest piece of that is that emotional and the mindset changes that come with that as well right and then going back to what you were saying before about body dysmorphia I mean you know you you concentrate on certain age groups which mm. I think is is great but it stems from such a young age you know, um, my daughter's 11 and she's already kind of looking at her body in the mirror and what, you know, fits well and what's too tight, what's baggy, what's this, what's that. So it's already starting at a young age. And I remember like now it's, it's Facebook and YouTube and Instagram you are looking at, but yeah. I remember looking at magazines or yeah. music videos and saying, oh my goodness, you know, I don't look like those curvy models on Absolutely on yeah. tv and therefore my body is not perfect yeah and, absolutely and you, you go through that whole comparison don't you and it's mm -hmm. it's just like it's on steroids now that we've got social media and we're 24 yeah. 7 connected so um yeah I'm I talk to many mums about that and the kind of where it where it starts and it seems to get younger and younger as to when children become conscious of what's happening with their bodies it, it's quite scary and certainly with me I mean it would I was a bit overweight but I wasn't really overweight but it, mm. a lot of a lot of my problems stem from emotional traumas that weren't anything to do with my weight of mm. things that happened in my teens um and from that um I was suppressing it and it kind of then gets to the point where you feel like you haven't got control over your life and right food is a way of um, getting that control um, because it's one thing, you know, you can control what you put in your mouth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it is fundamentally, it is as fundamental as that because at the end of the day, eating disorders are a mental health issue. They're not, they are not really about food. They are about control. Right. right. Totally agree. 
And, and I love that, you know, on your website and even, you know, just talking to you, you say no one size fits all, not one size fits all. And that really resonates because, you know, when we look at the media, we say, okay, I have to look like that. I have to dress like that. Uh, but, you know, you're here to say, you know, you have to shop for your body type and Absolutely. for, you know, the different colors that go with, you know, your, your features, right? Yeah. yeah. Abs no, absolutely. Knowing knowing what colours work for you and more importantly, what colours don't um, not only saves you time and money when you're shopping because you just you can hone in on those colours, um, but it also um, means that you look an awful lot better and you're not making those mistakes and buying clothes that are in the wrong colours that when you go and then you get them home, you put them on and you go. They don't look the same. It, yeah. it's, it's not right, but I don't understand why it's not right mm. um, but the whole thing about dr dressing for your body shape yeah it makes such a huge difference because what you're doing is um, emphasizing certain features and playing down other features mm. and that's why when I work with my clients also I start from a position of love so we start from a position where I ask them what parts of your body do you love? And some people do mm. really struggle with that um, to, to find something. So it may be as simple as getting them to say, well, I like my eyes if they do. Um, and then we start working on, well, what colors are gonna make your eyes pop? What necklines will draw attention to your eyes? What accessories can you wear that will draw attention to your eyes? Now mm -hmm. let's focus on the bits you're not so keen on and how we play those down. So it's again, it's working from that position of love because it's always great to come from a positive position rather than from a position of, I don't like this or I don't like that about myself. Right. And a lot of us fall into kind of the spiral of uh, the fast fashion buying. Let's say, for example, Fashion Nova, uh, there's always deals. They threw, you yeah. know, they email me 80% off and yeah. there's so many nice things, colors and everything. So yeah. I buy, buy, buy because I'm like sale. Oh, there's a sale. Okay, it's cheap. Uh, I'm, I'm going to fill my wardrobe. And then, like you said, you have a wardrobe full of clothes and especially now in quarantine, I can't wear half of them, but I'm looking in there sometimes and I'm like, I don't even know what, I have nothing to wear. I don't even know what to wear. I don't feel like wearing that fancy dress with lace on it. Where am I going to wear that? I just bought it because it was pretty, you know? Yeah. And it was cheap. <laughs> and um, it was cheap. Yeah. And, and that's part of the problem as well, because when you do have that wardrobe full of clothes, you you don't necessarily know what you have actually got. And therefore you get that. It's a whole paradox of having that overwhelm of choice. That means that what you actually do is you go back to your old favorites, the ones that you, you know. So and that's why the um, common statistic, which I I think is very true is that we wear 20% of our wardrobes 80% mm. of the time and um, the rest of it is either in there and doesn't get worn because it doesn't fit us anymore um, we're not sure how to wear it it's the wrong colors the wrong styles for us or um, I'm going to lose those few pounds and then fit back into it which is the oh common yes <laughs> I have That's a bunch of jeans <laughs> Or I'm saving it for best. And my mantra on all of that is why save it for best? Because if it's if it's stuff that you're saving for best, okay, that frilly lacy dress might not work for, for every occasion. But if you're saving stuff for best like that, it's usually the clothes that you really feel good in. And what's mm. really important is that you do wear the stuff that makes you feel good. Right, right. 
totally agree. So what type of mindset should we have, let's say when we go into a clothing store um, and we, you know, there's always the sale rack, there's this or that, you know, what are some maybe staples to look for, or even just, you know, walk in, how should we think? Okay. How you should think is um, basically number one is if you pick something up, do you really love it? Is it in colors that are going to light you up or is it in colors that are going to drain you or overwhelm you and mm. sometimes again this isn't always easy to do in store because the lighting in changing rooms isn't always great and every changing room you go into will be different um is it in a style that works for me um and more more, more most importantly um does it go with at least three other things in my wardrobe or can i make oh. three outfits from it so for example mm. if it is a dress then you might not be thinking about how it's going to go with different things in your wardrobe but in a sense you do because you still maybe want to add a jacket to it you might mm -hmm. want to add different shoes to it um, or different accessories and if you can't think of anything in your wardrobe that's actually going to work with then that makes it more expensive because you then got to go out and buy the other things that are going to work right. with it to actually create an outfit <laughs> to be able to wear it or you buy it you take it home and it's kind of you pull it out of the wardrobe occasionally and go I've got nothing to wear with it <laughs> I do that with shoes. I have a pair of neon yellow shoes. Wow. I, yeah. When I saw them, I'm like, wow. And they look really good. But I'm like, okay, most of my colors are not, are either, I like wearing neon and stuff like that, but they don't go with anything. So I'm like, now I'm stuck with these beautiful neon shoes and I have nothing to wear with it. And then so goes the extra buying where I have to find something to go with that. So you're so right. Finding one I didn't even think of that, finding one staple uh, item yeah. and then thinking of three outfits to go with it yeah. or three accessories to, to match it with that you already have. Absolutely. And and the other thing to think about is not buying on price. And I know this is, you know, <laughs> this is, you, you mentioned it earlier, and it is a major problem because when you're buying on price and it's easy to get seduced by prices, whether you're buying in fast fashion or maybe you're buying designer stuff that has been really knocked down. And it's kind of, like, oh gosh, I could get that designer brand for this price. Wouldn't that be amazing? Mm. You buy on price, you're not buying for those reasons where the clothes are actually right for you you're buying on that on on that bargain and mm. inevitably it's unless you're taking those other factors into consideration um then you're making a buying mistake and the way that we always think of it in um in styling terms if you like is when you buy an item um maybe you're spending um twenty dollars on an item you wear it once it's cost you twenty dollars for that wear you wear it 20 times it's mm -hmm. only cost you one dollar per wear so mm -hmm. it's it's the um return on investment if you like or the cost per wear that um you're getting back from it so it's also to think in terms like that um mm -hmm. okay there's going to be certain things in your wardrobe that you may only wear occasionally um right. Uh, and yeah, you accept that there would be certain things like that, but the majority of your stuff, you should be getting the best cost per, per wear for. And that's why I always suggest buying um, quality over quantity, because mm. uh, 
while you may be paying more for things, um, they're going to be things that will be better made, will last longer, will launder better, um, and um, you're going to get much more use out of them. So even though it may be more expensive initial investment, you're going to get much better value out of those items too. So it's just another thing to think about and put into the factor. Mm-hmm. And email marketing, I know, is one of the is one of the worst ways of, of making us consume more, isn't it? Because right. it's so easy when that email pops up in your box um, to just go, oh, I'll just take a look at that. And the next thing it's ended up in your basket and um, you're being given a text notification to say it'll be there in two days. <laughs> <laughs> or just I love just going in, putting everything in my basket. It's kind of therapeutic. Yeah, And then just looking at the total and like, okay, get off the site. I don't want to see that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but that's like more like window shopping. So at least yeah, I'm not pressing I, it, check out. That is, yeah, that is like window shopping online. And, um, but the other thing I would say is unsubscribe from a lot of those, um, a lot of those emails if you are getting tempted, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you can always go back onto those, those stores and just look at what they've got in but it's it you're you're less likely to do it on a kind of oh I'm going to feed that habit if you like because it does become a habit right, right. um but that kind of leads us into the whole point about um and, and why I'm so anti-fast fashion um and and cheap fashion because it is doing so much damage to the planet um the fashion industry is the second worst polluting industry um in, really? In, in yeah, in the world after the oil industry. What? Yeah. Oh my goodness. It is, and oh it is from right through from the point of um, the manufacture of fabrics, um, or go back even further if you're using natural fabrics, the, the growing of um, the seeds that you or the plants to grow cotton um, mm-hmm. right through to um, end of life of clothes and the amount of clothes that get thrown out um, and mm-hmm. end up in either landfill or um, incinerated um, because we are just we've got this consumptive habit it's cheap we can buy it we can wear it once or twice we can throw it away that's just it's it's such a nonsense and this really started in the 90s was when it first became it started to really ramp up and start to become a major problem um and where the um fashion brands and so on and the the tradition with fashion had been we have an autumn winter collection we have a spring summer collection um the fast fashion brands turn that into well we have new stock every week so we effectively have 50 collections a year we'll have a bit of time off for for sort of you know for catching up but it was effectively 50 collections a year new stuff arriving in and gosh we've got to be able to sell that stuff through um and they to get the cheap prices the manufacturers are then encouraging them to buy in bulk which may you know it's a whole it's a circle of madness absolutely yeah it's a snowball effect of the impact that it has i mean you take it right from um cotton for example which is um a very water hungry plant so requires a lot of water to grow it um and in order to get a good crop also requires or you know a big yield um Mm -hmm. of crop also requires um a lot of pesticides 
Well, both of those. You're growing mm. cotton in dry and arid areas, so it requires extra water. Excuse me, sorry. Um, and um, and then on top of that, you're using pesticides. The way that pesticides are used out in places where cotton is grown very often, um, then they haven't got the health and safety that they would have in um, Western countries. So that's putting people's lives at risk as well because they're inhaling toxic and working with toxic chemicals. chemicals yeah. So the average life expectancy of a cotton farmer is about 42 years old. Oh my goodness, that's horrible. Yeah. That's horrible. And, and then you get it to the next stage where you then, okay, you're weaving the cotton, but then it gets into the garment manufacturer. You're then using a lot of um, textile dyes, toxic dyes and stuff, which are then getting into um, the environment as well. You're having to use an awful lot of water in production of cotton garments as well. Mm. Um, and, um, and of course, with fast fashion, in order to keep the prices down, the brands are um, negotiating very hard with the factories to keep their prices down. So that in turn um, means that they're not paying their workers a fair wage or treating their workers right. So you've got you've got a whole toxic wow. mix taking place before you even ship the goods. It's so crazy how no one really talks about this. They talk about the food, like pesticides and food. And, yeah. you know, they talk about pollution and, and, you know, what cars are doing. And we know that we're, you know, and manufacturers, but we never think we never tie it to the clothing that we wear because we just see it as a piece of fabric that gets sewed together. And we think it's just magical like that. Yeah, and and to some degree, the fashion industry doesn't want us to talk about it. I mean, there are people talking about it, and that's how I found out, started to to do my own research, and I I started to see some articles about it, and I started doing some more digging, and this was in two years ago, nearly, mm. um, while I was researching a piece for a blog, and the more I unearthed and the more I uncovered, the more it just made me feel really uncomfortable. Um, and you know, I'd never, I, I'm not someone who's really bought into the concept of buying lots of stuff cheap and having a massive wardrobe for the clothes. As I say, I prefer quality over quantity, yeah. but when I started to see what damage it was doing and how there wasn't the awareness, as you quite rightly say, to me, I needed to, to do something about it to help educate my clients, but more than that, to create more awareness. And so that's why um, I'm keen, so keen to talk about it. And then last year, I actually rebranded, as I say, as the Conscious Wardrobe Stylist. Yeah. So where most personal stylists will take their clients on a shopping trip after they've done the initial colours, style and wardrobe, I don't actually take my clients shopping outside the house. I take them shopping inside their own wardrobes. So mm. we maximize what they've got because most of us have got too many clothes. Yes, some of them aren't going to be right and we'll get rid of those. But a lot of the clothes that people aren't wearing are very much the, the clothes that they don't know what to do with or how to make work um, and, and create outfits with. And one of the biggest things is about color matching because people get into a little bit of a rut when they're wearing colors. Oh, I always wear that, um, those neon yellow shoes with that, <laughs> uh, with those, that pair of jeans. They're not thinking outside the box necessarily. Um, and sometimes it can take that third party like myself to come in and say, 
why don't we try this and that? And they'll go, but I wouldn't wear that with that. Oh, but it works. That's true. Like even co- the contrasting color sometimes I'm like, oh, it doesn't go, but it might because it doesn't. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I'll show them how to mix and match colors and I'll show them how to use um, an artist's color wheel as well. How many of them actually go away and use a color wheel? I'm not sure, but at least it gives them a, um, an insight into how a color wheel works and the different types of colors that you can play with um, and match mixing and matching because there's so many different ways to look at color when you're putting an outfit together. So, yeah, it's I mean, it's so, don't get me wrong if someone's got got a special occasion coming up or something like that then yes I will um I would take them shopping but it's not something I offer as a oh we'll do your wardrobe and all the rest of it and then we'll then we'll go shopping um because that's the kind of the treat at the end of it because that doesn't just (laughs) sit right with my um with my own um my own morals and codes and um so on so what I do do though is I will teach people Um, as we were talking about earlier, how to shop, how to look for things, whether they're looking in a thrift store um, or a consignment store or whether they're going to to go shopping and buy new. What I'll also encourage them to do is to ask questions and find out more about the brands they're buying from and consider um, ethical and sustainable alternatives. Mm. Now, the issue with the with many of the ethical sustainable um, alternatives is at the moment because of the nature of the fact that they're using things like organic cotton, um, they're paying fair wages. Um, you know, everything is kind of certified. It's traceable. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with that is, of course, it adds cost, and we're not used to paying more for clothes. So there's there's an understanding and education piece, if you like to help people understand that yeah but what you're doing is also helping to invest in the planet as well as exactly and this is so important we cannot we cannot continue consuming in the rate we've been consuming and I certainly think that the the lockdown certainly in this country um is helping in terms of um helping people realize and understand that they don't need to be consuming and buying all the time. They don't need to be shopping all the time. It's making them stop and think twice. Exactly. exactly. And I just hope that we hold that and we don't have that kind of yeehaw mentality. Um, if you like, when, <laughs> when lockdown ends, I, I'm not sure we will because it's, it's going to take so long to get back to some kind of new kind of normal that I'm, I think it is going to reframe the way people think about stuff. I've noticed a more of a collective now of people shopping locally a little bit more. And now they're kind of, because we're going through a, such a economic, you know, crash, mm-hmm. we realize that we're spending so much on materialistic stuff and trying to look good in front of other people. And at the same time, you know, we really should be investing more in our local products and farms and, and stuff like that. So I do see a shift. I know, I know exactly what you're saying. And I also think the fashion industry has, um, the fashion industry has created an awful lot of problems during lockdown as well, because um, they, they haven't, they haven't fulfilled orders um, and they've put a, they've cancelled orders in, um, 
in places where they're, they're being manufactured. In Bangladesh, for example, it was one million um, garment workers were laid off and that was just in Bangladesh, oh one of the poorest countries in the world. And there was billions worth of orders that were either canceled or unpaid. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the brands, because they, and I think largely because they've been shamed into it, um, have gone back and started making contributions and payments. Um, but there are some of them that's, that still haven't, and it's, it is still a major problem. So um, it, it's, yeah, and of course, because America and, um, and the UK in particular are such big fast fashion and consumers, um, you know, we have caused an awful lot of the problem out there. And it just, mm. they're in countries where there is no social security, there is no, you know, they're poorest, poorest of the poor type people. And it just, that really eats at my heart, you know, that, yeah. that you've got big businesses that think that they can just go and go, well, we don't need it anymore. So we'll cancel the orders and not think longer term about the impact on their suppliers. Right. And how it affects the workers as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So sad. It is sad. Um, But again, I'm hoping that there there has been some press exposure about that, particularly in the UK. And I'm just hoping that that filters down to people's buying choices going forward. Right. Buying quality over quantity. So... I, I've heard of this um, how does exercise. I don't know if you've if you heard of it as well, but to know if let's say in your closet there's certain things to get rid of because either you haven't worn it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've heard in January uh, you put your clothes on your hangers in the closet, yeah. and then every time you wear your clothes, let's say you wash them and then you put them back, you mm-hmm. put them back backwards. You heard that one? Yeah, so, absolutely. <laughs> end of the year if you haven't worn whatever that was that's you know was normal yeah. on uh, straight in your closet that yeah. you shouldn't even be you should probably be giving it away to someone who would probably wear it more than you would or something <laughs> I heard and that. yes I don't I don't disagree with that um but uh, at all I think it's a good system to use I mean some people do it on a seasonal basis not just as a as a new year's mm. type of resolution um and I think it's quite I think it's quite a good way of, of dealing with your wardrobe um but I think another good way of dealing with your wardrobe as well is to actually set up a minimum wardrobe and I prefer that term to the term capsule wardrobe because capsule feels very restrictive so for example at the beginning of lockdown I pulled out um three three tops um three pairs of trousers three necklaces three scarves um and created 42 outfits out of them stop it really (laughs) yeah just by just by mixing and matching everything around um And I haven't entirely stuck to that, but that's partly weather fluctuations. But it's also um, that you've got to think differently for um, what works, particularly with accessories, which I'm very keen on, um, what works on camera and what doesn't work on camera as well, because we're spending so much of our lives um, online and and on Zoom calls and the rest of it, that there are certain tricks and things that you need to consider um, when you're on a video call as well. Yes, life in quarantine is... Uh, it's a different lifestyle. Uh, obviously, we're not walking around our house and uh, you know our business outfits and suits mm-hmm. and dresses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it kind of makes us 
dress it, you know, a different way. I've noticed a lot of people work in their pajamas right now. Uh, and, <laughs> and oh. I, I fell for this too. Like I, I would get up and right away, put on some joggers and, uh, you know, big t-shirt and start my day and go, you know, do my content yeah. and marketing and all of that. And I, and, uh, and then I only get dressed up for these zoom calls and do my hair and everything. So Maybe if you would you like to talk a little bit about the benefits of dressing up uh, or uh, or how we should dress up in our life in quarantine? <laughs> OK, <laughs> absolutely. And I think one of the most important reasons why it's important to get dressed and get out of your pajamas is um, that by putting something on that makes you feel good, um, your confidence mm -hmm. actually improves and your performance actually improves. Um, mm. And there have been numerous studies done at different uh, different universities with psychology students to test this theory out. And one of the one of the ones that I really love is um, one that was done at one university with Superman T-shirts. So they <laughs> took a group of students. A third of them were given a Superman T-shirt to wear. A third were given um, just a plain blue T-shirt because normally when they do these studies, they do them in they divide the students into thirds. Um, and a third were told to wear their normal clothing. And they were then um, instructed to, to go into a gym and do a number of um, different exercises. Well, guess who came out performing the best? It was the guys in the, or the students in the Superman. They oh. were lifting heavier weights. Their stamina was better. Their cardio was better. Endurance, the whole lot. Because they assume that role. I'm Superman. Yeah. Oh, my so that's, God. So it does have an impact what we wear in terms of how we how we respond and how others respond to us. And that brings me on to the next point, which is particularly if you've got children at home at the moment, and you're homeschooling them, um, seeing mum get dressed up uh, or getting dressed, putting something on, putting your makeup on. You're being a great role model for your child. And whereas if mum is sitting around just, um, all right, she's still working in her pajamas and the rest of it, but it's not quite the same. It doesn't have that same impact. So again, it's about teaching your children. Um, mm. I also recommend getting out of elasticated waistbands as well at the moment. <laughs> leggings, but I love my leggings. I know, I know. But at least if you're going to do that, put a belt on as well. Um, okay. And I, I say that because I've heard so many stories of people um, in lockdown have then gone and put on a pair of fitted jeans a few weeks later and gone, ah, <laughs> these don't work anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, because we're not, we're not necessarily quite as active or we may be um, eating slightly differently or maybe having an extra glass of wine or two. <laughs> but the third and I think this is probably one of the most important reasons as well is that it actually creates that boundary between working at home work life at home and being at home and relaxing at home so particularly when you are working from home and you may be working longer hours or different hours different schedules or the rest of it that actually then when you've finished work and particularly for people who haven't got a separate room they can um, have as an office your mm. home all of a sudden becomes your office but if you go and get changed at the end of the day there's a psychology that's telling you I've finished work you know I'm now in my leisure wear just mm. as it is when I get dressed in the morning and I'm now in my work wear I'm now in work mode oh that's so interesting so now some that really I think of it reasons 
Yeah. Now that I think of it, when I do get dressed up right after my podcast, yeah, I do. I am more productive. Yeah. And and in a better mood, actually. Like I feel absolutely more professional. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and you don't necessarily see things that that go wrong in quite the same light. You know, you can ride them out a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So awesome. yeah, definitely things to think about. And as I say, I I planned my lockdown wardrobe, so I wanted something that was functional. I I wasn't going to um, put on my really nice trousers, that kind of thing, I'm, or wear dresses that doesn't feel so comfortable for me at home. But mm-hmm. wearing smart fitted jeans or um, a nicer pair nice pair of trousers or chinos type of thing mm. um, and a nice top um, I feel good about that you know and I always put my makeup on and I always put some jewelry on as well and sometimes a scarf so you know it, it's just about keeping it simple as well and, and what works for your um, for your activities as well particularly again if you've got children at home or younger children particularly and you know you may be um, doing things with them and and the rest of it so it's it it's yeah. about making it work making it functional um, but also feeling good awesome that's great advice thanks for sharing that I do have one last question for you sure um, you talk a lot about accessorizing and you seem like you're the accessory queen I love your necklace it just pops out and with the rest of your wardrobe so I'd like to know you know what type of accessories should you know we have handy uh at all times (laughs) okay so um I've realized I haven't actually put my earrings in today because I was doing something else earlier. Um, But I always wear earrings. um, And I, one of my signature pieces is I always wear odd earrings as well. And that's because I was forever losing um, one of a favorite set. Um, um, I've always got a necklace on and um, I do love bangles and I do love bracelets, but I'm not wearing them at the moment because if I'm wearing them and I go onto a Zoom call or anything like that, and there's a chance that they may, yeah, clatter <laughs> around. Um, and I'm always careful with, I generally wear very small earrings as well um, because you start putting dangly earrings on again. If you're um, on Zoom calls, they can get caught in the light. And I was talking mm. to a lady earlier who hosts a podcast. Um, she just started her podcast, Vesta, and she was saying that she interviewed someone yesterday, and they um, they were only they were doing it just on audio, so she couldn't see the woman. But she's got all this clanking going on, and she realised that the woman must have been wearing um, big chunky earrings that were just moving around. <laughs> so she's got to try and edit that out. Um, so yeah, and um, I would always say that pop of colour. As I say, I love big chunky um, stuff, but it doesn't work on um, on video particularly because what you're seeing when you're on video calls like this is you're seeing a quarter of somebody's um, size or, or somebody's you know entire body, mm-hmm. and um, so a quarter of them is a hundred percent of them. So if you're wearing big necklaces, uh, really big necklaces, then it's just going to look too big in proportion to what you're seeing of somebody. Right. Um, and also, as I say, just be careful about things that may catch the light and you may end up um, being a Christmas tree. Um, <laughs> and the other thing to just be careful of at this at the moment as well is when you do, if anyone's doing networking meetings or is on webinar type um, or, in, you know, in presentations, anything like that, where it, it's on a gallery view and you don't know 
um, how people are looking at it on their screen. But when the, the image that you're seeing on Zoom or the other platforms is quite small, is um, you're actually going to get um, pixelation taking place with the, the size of the image that things will start breaking up. Um, I don't understand the I'm not experienced enough in cameras to tell you why it happens, but it does. And it's all to do with the size, basically the size of the image and everything starts breaking up or, or it reflects more as well once you get that smaller image. Mm -hmm. So those would be things that I would say look out for, but is that's about video calls. But what, again, with accessories is find what really lights you up, what makes it work for you. If you're someone that is um, a larger size, um, bigger body shape, then do be careful not to wear tiny, delicate jewelry because that will actually make you look larger. Similarly, if you're petite, um, don't wear very big, chunky jewelry because that will make you look smaller than you are. Um, the only person I think who can get away with that is Iris Apfel, um, the um, nonagenarian um, accidental style icon. Do you know Iris Apfel? <laughs> no. Okay, Iris Atfall, um was an interior designer for many years. And then when she got to um, around 80 years of age, um, she became a, a style icon as well. And she's absolutely amazing. She's really, really petite, very tiny. And she wears huge, great um, glasses and um, <laughs> enormous, great jewelry, great chunky jewelry. She does everything wrong, but in terms of stylists would go, oh, don't do that. But she looks incredible. And the reason she looks incredible because she's got the confidence to carry it off and she's got that kind of chutzpah, I don't give a, um, yeah. a monkey's type of attitude. And that's the only way you'll carry something like that off. Mm -hmm. But ha when you finish the podcast, uh, we've finished the interview, go and Google Iris Apple because she's absolutely amazing. Okay, I'll check her out. Thanks. <laughs> I'm someone who likes chunky earrings. So I know, and now I can't wear them because of my head phones but it's usually cool. you know yeah. what really pops out and I like the you know the bright the shinier the better it, it kind of puts my personality out in yeah. my ears <laughs> Abs no absolutely and and that's what counts because it's it is your signature style then Tanya so you know that it, it, that's great that you've um you've developed that and that's what attracts you and that's what lights you up and that's what's really important mm. Cool. Uh, so, I mean, I could speak to you all day, but I'm going to, you know, have to end this podcast. Uh, and so before I end off, uh, would, would you like to leave our listeners with any final thoughts? I would. And that is that just remember that style is a way of saying who you are without having to speak. And I wish I could claim that quote as my own, but it's Rachel Zoe's <laughs> the fashion designer. But it is such a key thing because it is a real way of identifying ourselves and communicating what we're all about to other people. Mm. So that would be my that would be the thought to leave your listeners with. Awesome. Thank you. You're Carol, welcome. thank you so much for sharing, you know, your story and your time and your life with us. And thanks to all of our listeners who tuned in. Uh, for or more information on Carol and where to connect with her, please check the description below. If you want to hear more good vibes, please subscribe or like or share this podcast with a friend. Always love to hear your reviews, so please let me know what you think by leaving a comment and blessings and good vibes to all you beautiful people. Mm -hmm.